you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. So we got through a whole big Sunday of NFL football week 12 almost completely in the books still some football left to be played we will talk about that a little bit later on in the show with Kimmy Checks who joins us every Monday we will talk about some of our waiver wire picks which look admittedly waiver wire it's been thin for a while but is especially thin there are two teams on a bye this week the Buccaneers and the Panthers have week 13 off so maybe that changes some things but admittedly uh, kind of slim pickings on the waiver wire we'll probably try to give you some of the best options for that and also with the fantasy playoffs around the corner look at some guys that maybe you should be worried about or maybe not we'll do a little bit of playoff panic or patience so we got that and plenty more to talk about but before we do any of that let's talk to our faithful producer senior edward l murphy esquire fan of the first place team in the nfc east the new york football giants uh, I know that win came at a bit of a cost, but uh, look, you guys, you guys are sitting in the catbird seat right now. It's, it's got to feel good. It's it's absolutely amazing. What a what a Monday morning to wake up to. The Giants in first place. <laughs> but hey, your 49ers, big win. Uh, Kimmy's mm-hmm. Chiefs win. Everyone's happy here. But uh, hopefully the, the Eagles <laughs> lose tonight to the Seahawks, and I'll be uh, even more happy. But yeah, weird um, weird game, too, because you, you would not expect to see Colt McCoy running read options for the Giants, um, you know, with Daniel Jones' injury. But hopefully just a, a pulled hamstring, and he'll, he'll be okay and uh, for the rest of the way. Yeah, we will wait more word on that. I know yesterday they weren't optimistic, but, you know, who knows what happens in 24 hours. Uh, I mean, I have seen people predicting the Giants to go on and win this division. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you are back to believing again now, huh? A lot of good, a lot of good positives from the game yesterday. The defense was absolutely amazing. I love the D line. Um, you know, Xavier McKinney's back and healthy, and having him at safety will help. Logan Ryan's been awesome. So, like, the defense is really, really, um, you know, carry this team basically and Wayne Gallman you know who would have thought that uh someone stepping in for Saquon Barkley would be as productive as he is and you know having a running game does really help uh this offense and with the offensive line figuring it out and like I said if Daniel Jones is healthy that's where it really stops and starts so if he's if he's good to go everything else is like kind of getting in place uh this far into the season uh with this really young team with a brand new coaching staff and it was like a, it was just a matter of time until they really started to figure it out so I'm, I'm really happy about the, the future of this team. Yeah, it, it looks very good, and the schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, they have some winnable games on the schedule sure. the rest of the way, so uh, it, it's going to be a dogfight down the stretch, but uh, hey, look, Big Blue is in it just as much uh, as anybody else, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, all right, let us turn our attention to our friend Kimmy Checks, who joins us every Monday, and uh, as Eddie mentioned, the Chiefs got a huge win, and in the time it took me to get to introducing Kimmy Checks, I think uh, Tyreek Hill picked up another 75 yards receiving or so, because uh, that's just how that game went. I mean, 
it, it was we'll, we'll talk about different parts of that game i think as uh, as this show goes on but on the whole uh, look at the chiefs are just kind of rolling along and getting themselves uh, lined up for uh, a high seed for the playoffs it's got to feel good Amazing. That was our first time in Tampa this season, and we'll be back there in February when we go on to win another <laughs> Super Bowl. So it was amazing. It was like we were just warming up the field. We were just getting our bearings on everything. Yeah, just trying to, you know, check the place out, uh, you know, get your bearings, make it feel right, you know, get, get ready for February when uh, when they're obviously <laughs> going to be back there again. Uh, that that it, it, it was certainly entertaining, uh, and especially for fantasy, as long as you weren't playing against Tyreek Hill. Uh, that game, I'm sure, was was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, which, by the way, just gets us to our fantasy headlines uh, for this Monday show. We will start with the New Orleans Saints, where there are a lot of things you can say about that game against the Broncos. I mean, first off, you know, before we even get into this, shout outs to Kendall Hinton, who uh, really was tasked with a nearly impossible job on Sunday. I mean, this is a guy who has been a practice squad guy. Uh, well, he was like a salesman, I think, like a, a month ago. I was working in sales uh, with a practice squad wide receiver, hadn't really taken any hits in a while. And then suddenly Saturday was told he was going to be the starting quarterback for the Broncos uh, against the Saints, whose defense has really come to life the last few weeks. And look, no one expected big things. The numbers, you know, just to look at the box score is not going to, you know, make you feel like this dude's going to ever, you know, see quarterback again in this league. But uh, I think, I think, Kimmy, he came away universally respected for for just taking on the challenge and going out there and putting out uh, the best effort he could. I don't, I don't think anybody is ever going to look down and, and make a joke about Kendall Henson just because, uh, you know, hey man. Uh, Props to him for getting out there and doing it because, uh, you know, certainly th that is that was a nearly impossible ask, I feel like. No, it was insane. And, uh, you know, one of our NFL Network reporters reported and said that there are people uh, who are part of the Broncos organization that have never seen him before. Like, they've never <laughs> met this guy. And then he goes in against the New Orleans Saints and is the starting quarterback. I was rooting for him so much. Like, every single time I saw him throw the ball, I was like, someone, please catch it. Please have him have a completed pass uh, in his first NFL start as a quarterback. Uh, coming off of the practice squad. So huge ups to him. I think everyone should give him his credit. And it just is a testament to the will of him to want to get out there and try to win a game uh, to the best of his ability. So go his, one his one completed pass was to your pal uh, Noah Fant as well. Uh, so <laughs> uh, he also has the same number of completions in his career as Tyler Bray, who's been in the league a lot longer. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the reason I brought up the Saints was not to talk about Kendall Hinton. It was to talk about Alvin Kamara, who, again, had an underwhelming fantasy day with Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. And Taysom had another two rushing touchdowns. Kamara had just two targets and one catch. So, Kimmy, I mean, it's two weeks now. Alvin Kamara has three total targets, one catch. Uh, Taysom Hill has four rushing touchdowns. Is it time to start panicking about AK? You know what? Last week we were saying, oh, no, you know, it's not time to hit the panic button. It'll be fine. You know, you never want to sit Alvin Kamara. He had 10 points versus the Falcons in week 11. He had six points yesterday versus the Broncos. I had other running backs who sat on my bench and outscored Alvin Kamara. So now as we look at this fantasy playoff push, we really have to ask ourselves, are we crazy for thinking about benching Alvin Kamara? Because Taysom Hill is not slowing down. 
I, I think the game script probably didn't favor Kamara because the Saints led that entire game. So that's why you saw Latavius Murray and some of those other backups getting opportunities. But when you have a star running back, why do you not give him the ball? I'm just, I'm incredibly confused. We are all, we are all confused about that. And look, Taysom was not great throwing the football by any stretch of the imagination. You would have thought that with a big lead, maybe they turn and hand the ball to Kamara late to sort of grind down the clock. Even then, we saw a good dose of Latavius Murray in that game too, which is another thing that uh, is sort of concerning about Kamara's usage. Now you look at the schedule next week, uh, they're at Atlanta, then they go to Philly, they've got the Chiefs. They do end in, in fantasy championship week with the Vikings, which is positive. And hopefully by then, Drew Brees is back. I mean, this is also sort of the other part of this story, right? That we're, we're waiting for Drew Brees to come back, and, and that will hopefully get the offense back to where it was early in the season when Kamara uh, was just a fantasy scoring machine. I can't I, – I just can't in good conscience uh, advocate or even think about benching Alvin Kamara, but – this is not this is not good. This is not what people wanted. And I know there are a lot of folks that were in my Twitter mentions sort of freaked out because here we are getting close to the playoffs. And now you're not sure if your first round pick is going to be productive or usable. This is a bad situation. I, I guess, Kimmy, I would just tell people, be patient. Hold on. Hopefully Drew Brees is back soon and everything gets better. And maybe after this past week, maybe they decide to sort of shift gears and get the ball to Kamara. Uh, I, 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 that's all I can hope. I mean, I, I have no, I have no concrete answers. We're all just sort of, we're all sort of basing this on hope right now. And, and Sean Payton, we know, seems to be a notorious troll. I don't know if we can count on that. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, other more exciting running back news. Austin Eckler is back for the Los Angeles Chargers, came back on Sunday. Uh, the Bolts had a, another head scratching loss because that seems to be their MO. But it was good to see Austin Eckler back in action. 129 scrimmage yards, 11 catches. That's huge. I mean, it, it, it's huge, especially in PPR leagues, obviously. Uh, it's the reason we talked about him as a late first round, early second round pick. I know, Kimmy, people were sort of hesitant. Like, do they start him after all this time away? I feel like after what we saw Sunday, he has now returned to must-start status. Oh, he is must-start action. And, you know, on our Fantasy Game Day show on Sunday, uh, Adam Rank asked us, you know, do we put Austin Eckler into our starting lineup? And all of us said yes. There were just a few guys that we said that we would start over Austin Eckler. I think it was guys like James Robinson, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Uh, and we were right. You want to get Austin Eckler into your fantasy lineup because, as you said, not only was he involved as a runner, but also as a receiver. 85 receiving yards, 11 for 16. He finished as the running back number seven in week 12. So we can't even hear those conversations of, I don't know if he's going to be productive after missing some time. He's productive. And uh, they do have some, some fun games coming up. They face the Patriots, so that's going to be a tough defense. But then they go on and they face the Atlanta Falcons the Raiders, the Broncos, and then they finish with my Kansas City Chiefs in a very fun, uh, tough divisional game. But those Falcons, Raiders, Broncos game, those are games that, that give Austin Eckler an opportunity to again finish as a top 10 fantasy running back. So absolutely fire him up and get him into your starting lineup. Shout out to the person who tweeted me asking if they should play Austin Eckler over the other guys on their team who were, and I quote, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, Derek Henry and Aaron Jones. And I'm like, you're just 
you're, you're just showing off. You're bragging. Like, these, like who are you? Like, what, who, are, who do you play? Are, what, what league is this? Right? I mean, you've got Eckler, Henry, Chubb, and Aaron Jones. I, like, I, I don't even know what to, to, to say to you. Like, I don't know. Just pull three names out of a hat and you'll be fine uh, at that point. Uh, although I think of that group, uh, I believe Aaron Jones might have had the fewest fantasy points. But whatever. That, 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 that lineup is just loaded. As for Eckler start him. He's going to be fine. You know, it's curious. It, it, it's interesting, I should say, to see this offense all together now with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, and now Austin Eckler is back. Uh, you would think all systems are go, but don't worry about Eckler. Uh, he's going to get a huge workload. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what this means for Josh Kelly. I mean, I think he still sort of stays in a secondary role. Kalen Balaj was actually inactive this week. So I think we're going to start to get back to where we were at the start of the season uh, with the Chargers running back situation. For the Arizona Cardinals, they had a tough loss to the Patriots, lost on a last-second field goal, but it was another not-so-great day for Kyler Murray. In fact, he has had season lows in fantasy points in back-to-back games. I was worried before the game that maybe the shoulder issue was bothering him a little bit more than the Cardinals were letting on. He had just 170 passing yards. Uh, no touchdowns at all, rushing or or, or passing. Uh, but, Kimmy, the other part of this is the last couple of weeks not running as much, just 31 rushing yards on Sunday, 15 rushing yards the week before against the Seahawks. Are we worried about Kyler right now? This is so interesting because Kyler was in the conversation for fantasy MVP, and then you see this performance the last two weeks. As you noted, this was his first time not having a passing or a rushing touchdown in any game this season. The seven fantasy points is obviously a huge low for Kyler Murray, along with his 170 passing yards. I think that was his second lowest passing game of the season. I think you're right when you when you bring up the conversation of, of his shoulder injury, and is he not you know letting on how bad it may be as the Cardinals organization not fully being, you know, honest with how bad that injury is. And I think we have to kind of take that seriously. You also have to take into consideration, what does this mean for his pass catchers? What does this mean for Christian Kirk, who wasn't great? What does this mean for DeAndre Hopkins, who had, I think, five catches, and then that was it? So I think, you know, when Kyler Murray struggles, all of his offensive weapons struggle, and this is something that as we keep nearing the fantasy playoffs, we really, really, really want to try to nail down what exactly is going on in this situation, and is Kyler now a guy who needs to ride your bench? I want to hope that the shoulder gets better. Now, the the problem is that there are no more bye weeks. I mean, you know, the, the Cardinals already had there, so there's not really time for Kyler to just sit and rest and heal up, especially with a team that is certainly in the thick of things in their division that is, is fighting for a playoff spot. They're going to need him. So uh, I still feel like because of the rushing floor when he's right, uh, that sort of keeps him pretty level, pretty steady. Uh, that's the reason that I can't really quit him just yet. But the last couple of weeks are certainly concerning. Uh, next week, they've got the Rams, who I, I know the Rams had their problems with Debo Samuel and the 49ers on Sunday. But this is still a pretty good defense. Uh, you know, they still have another game against the Niners coming up in week 16. So there are some games on the schedule where maybe you start to think twice. Uh, but he's been so good that I, I am I am very loath to just uh, get away from him right now. But what we've seen the last two weeks is is certainly some food for thought uh, when you start to build your lineups. Uh, last thing here, and look, there's, I just I just wanted to mention this because there's no real news or analysis here. Tyreek Hill just went off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had 39 fantasy points 
and there was still like a minute and a half left to go in the first quarter. Uh, and as somebody jokingly said in my mentions, uh, it's like, well, yeah, but he only scored like 19 or whatever the rest of the game. So psh, anyway, uh, finished with nearly 58 fantasy points. That is the second highest total since 2002. Uh, in case you're wondering, I think the number one performance by a wide receiver was Jerry Rice uh, with 65 points uh, in a game in which he scored five touchdowns uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. I believe, actually, uh, our resident nerd, Matt Okada, uh, informed us of that once upon a time earlier this season. So, Kimmy, I don't, like I said, I don't have any real deep analysis uh, about this. Uh, I just, I feel like we should just give Tyreek his flowers at this moment because uh, he is the wide receiver one. Uh, and as much as we like him, as much as people drafted him highly, maybe he was still somehow underrated after all this. I mean, it's very clear that Tyreek Hill should be probably the very first wide receiver off the board uh, in the first round. If you if if Tyreek Hill somehow manages to fall to the second round of drafts next season, your entire league gets crazy and needs to get their head checked out. <laughs> but Tyreek Hill has been incredible. I know that you said he's the number one fantasy wide receiver right now, but he's also currently the number four overall scorer in fantasy football. His quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, is numero uno. So it just goes to show that you want every single part of this Chiefs offense. Uh, Tyreek Hill, I, there's literally, there's no analysis. It's like, you're just good. You're incredible. Thank you. He is sitting on a career high, 13 receiving touchdowns and still has a handful of games left to play. Uh, it, it, like, I, like I said, look, there's nothing we can tell you here that you don't already know. He was a high draft pick for a reason. You're starting him every single week, regardless of the matchup. The dude is good. Uh, I just felt like we we should give him some, give him his props after a huge day uh, and, and in the midst of what is a huge season for him and the Chiefs' offense. All right, so we go from the good to the bad. It's time to get a little salty with some some guys who let us down on Sunday. We'll start with Dalvin Cook, who who on paper had a great matchup against the Panthers' run defense. The reality was not so good though, Kimmy. He had a fumble. He didn't score a touchdown. He just had 10 fantasy points, which for Dalvin Cook is like, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't tell you what exactly went wrong. I can just tell you, Kimmy, that uh, this is not the this is not the ending that we anticipated for this game. Dalvin Cook, don't do me like that. He had a 15 uh, point performance a few weeks back, and I, I know a ton of people were like, "What the heck, man? You're normally so good." It's like, <laughs> are we complaining about 15 fantasy points? But 10 fantasy points, we we can complain about that one. Like you said. He had such a good matchup against that uh, Panthers defense that's not so good against the run. Next up, he also has another best matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are the fifth worst against running backs. So like you said, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what exactly went wrong. Obviously, you don't sit Dalvin Cook. You can be bummed because he didn't put up the fantasy performance that you wanted, and he did have a costly fumble that was returned for a touchdown, but you still start him, and hopefully next week he can bounce back when they take on Jacksonville. He should be fine. Uh, yeah, it, it is one of those things. As you said, this is not anything to long-term worry about. Dude had a bad day. It happens to everybody. Uh, it's just that, you know, when you've been you know, routinely racking up 20, 25-point days, uh, yeah, that that 10, it just sort of lays there like a, like a rotten egg. Uh, so, uh, yeah, everybody, you know, you're salty about it right now. By tomorrow, get out of your feelings and start Dalvin Cook, and you'll be okay. Uh, Derek Carr... Uh, was a person that a lot of people, I'm one of them, uh, was was big on promoting this past week. They had been playing really well as a team the Raiders had. 
Uh, you know, they they had that that nail biter against the Chiefs the week before, and it looked like the Raiders were on track for big things. The matchup was perfect against the Atlanta Falcons. And let me let me let me give you a couple of quarterbacks who scored more fantasy points than than the Derek Carr this week. Uh, Colt McCoy, uh, who did not start the game for the New York Football Giants, and Nathan Peterman, who came in in relief of Derek Carr when the Raiders were getting blown out by the Falcons. That tells you what less than one fantasy point for Derek Carr. Uh, this one, Kimmy, just went south in all kinds of ways for the Raiders. I'm so upset. See, this is what I get for rooting for the enemy. This is why I will never root for <laughs> an enemy of the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I win, I picked Derek Carr up off of the waiver wire because he's been good this season. And then I started him and he gives me 0.6 fantasy points. Um, it, it's hard because you. I think the thing that was really tough with Derek Carr this week were his fumbles. He had three different fumbles for a loss as well as an interception. He did not throw a single touchdown in this game 215 yards that's fine that's more than Taysom Hill but still it, 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 it's not it's not the performance that we wanted now next week he takes on the Jets which is another incredible matchup but I don't know why these guys who have these great matchups like Dalvin Cook now like Derek Carr how do you not exploit this how do you not exploit these these defenses who are horrible against your position especially in fantasy football but whatever my lesson learned is that I will never root for the enemy again and I'm sorry I'm sorry to myself I yeah this was this was just ugly and I, I it's funny because I know for fantasy people looked at and they're like you know how could you you know you called Derek Carr you know what's wrong with you are you an idiot how do you get paid for this I was like well they put a direct deposit in my account every two weeks uh, and <laughs> and then the funds are there and it's great um, but it's funny because all of my friends who are Raider fans also sort of looked at this and they're like yeah. In the back of our minds, we sort of knew this was coming because this has sort of been how the Raiders go. When when everybody starts to believe when they win, either they win a game, win a couple of games, or they play really well against really tough competition and everybody starts to buy in, that's when the Raiders tend to fall flat against a lesser opponent. So all my friends who are Raider fans were disappointed yesterday, but also certainly not surprised. Uh, but for us in fantasy, to see 0.6 points from your starting quarterback. I thought I thought I had it bad enough because I started Cam Newton, uh, actually against you in a league, Kimmy, and uh, he gave me less than four points. Um, but anybody who started Derek Carr and got uh, less than one point, uh, sorry, sorry about your luck. You probably you um, probably still beat me though, because I, I I took an L in every single league this week. I mean, I know the week's <laughs> not over. I took L's. That's why I stayed up until two thirty in the morning to binge watch the Undoing because I needed to unnerve myself from my horrible performances all week. So that shows you where I'm at. That's my week twelve. Okay, it's not. Good. I, well, I'll tell you this. I, I haven't look. I haven't checked since uh, you know last night's game. I know that you and I were pretty much in a pillow fight because I don't think either one of our teams was was scoring a whole lot of points uh, in that matchup. Uh, all right, so we talked about how good Tyreek Hill was. Uh, I want to get a little bit salty about how not good Clyde Edwards-Elair was. And I guess Kimmy wasn't really his fault. I mean, considering all the points that the Chiefs were putting up throwing the football, uh, you know, with Tyreek going nuts, with Patrick Mahomes having a big day. Uh, CEH's services just weren't needed, but uh, I really expected more than than what we got out of him. So, uh, you know, I don't know who who do I direct my saltiness toward? Is it is it the Buccaneers secondary? Is it Mahomes? Where, where do I where do I write a strongly worded letter 
write your strongly worded letter to the Buccaneer defense because this was a tough matchup for Clyde Edwards-Alaire all along, right? Because the Buccaneers defense is averaging 2.9 yards per carry to running backs this season. That's not a lot of yardage, as we all know. I also think that this was like a petty party for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Once Tyreek Hill had those two touchdowns in that first quarter, it's like they just wanted to keep getting them the ball. It was like, okay, let's let's just show Bruce Arians and Tom Brady exactly who the GOAT is. I'm just going to keep throwing the ball down the field the entire game, which is what the game script favored, and that's what they did. So obviously CEH did not get a huge workload. Um, but Florio was right, you know, on, on Sunday's show – Florio was saying that he was a little bit worried about CEH and worried about his production for, you know, this playoff push. And now I kind of agree with him. Obviously, I'm going to continue to root for the rookie, and I think he's incredible. But he's maybe not as productive as we thought. So if you do really need help at running back, um, I don't know. CEH may not be the answer right now. It's an interesting situation. I mean, the next few weeks really aren't great matchups on paper. I mean, he's got the, the Broncos who have been okay. So that might that might be one you, you can chance. But the Dolphins, uh, the Saints, the, the couple weeks after that, those are ones that maybe you, you don't really want to mess around with. Uh, right now, Edwards Alaire is the running back 12. Um, but the, the outlook is not particularly great for him over the next few weeks, especially – uh, with as effectively as the Chiefs are throwing the football. So, uh, all right, then I guess I, I guess I no longer need to speak to a manager. Uh, I have gotten that off my chest, and we are Thank going you, to be Karen. fine there. Uh, by the way, uh, Tom Brady shook Patrick Mahomes' hand, so uh, we're okay there. I guess we can stop the pearl clutching for a week. Um, people, people really had that on their mind. This really bothered folks that Tom Brady didn't shake anybody's hands. I didn't think it was worth a national conversation, but, you know, I guess we have nothing else really to talk about. Okay, anyway, uh, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. It is time for Checks Marks the Spot, which we do every Monday. We pick three guys and talk about them, and then you guys vote on who you think uh, maybe has the most staying power in your fantasy league. So let's start at running back, where what is new is old again, or old is new again. Anyway, time is a flat circle, and Kenyon Drake is back in our lives after we had pretty much given up on him uh, after a string of poor performances to start the season. But uh, he's had 90-plus scrimmage yards in two of his last three games. He has three touchdowns in his last two games. Uh, Kimmy, is, is the Kenyon Drake resurrection at hand? Do we believe it right now? We have to believe. I feel so bad because earlier this season when everyone was asking us, like, what do I do with Kenyon Drake? I'm like, drop him. He sucks. He's horrible. It's Chase Edmonds all the way. And now it's uh, all Kenyon Drake. So I'm really sorry about that. He did have two rushing touchdowns yesterday uh, in that game for the Cardinals. And he was clearly the goal line back. He's had three rushing touchdowns across the last two games. And Chase Edmonds, on the other hand, the guy that we were hyping because it seemed like he usurped Kenyon Drake, he did have a receiving touchdown in week 11, but before that, he hadn't scored since week five. So I guess it's time to hop back on the Kenyon Drake train, question mark? I, I'm, I'm cautiously back in on Kenyon Drake. What we've seen the last two weeks is certainly it's encouraging. I still think we're going to see Chase Edmonds work in there, although maybe the time for us believing that Chase Edmonds is the guy, maybe that is coming to an end because Drake is starting to look more 
like the guy we drafted, I mean, I, he's not going to give you uh, top 10 returns like I thought at the start of the season. I don't even think he's going to give you top 10 weekly returns, but uh, he's back to being fantasy relevant. That is not a thing we could have said about him uh, in September and October. So uh, in that respect, anybody who stayed the course or if you somehow made a deal uh, before the trade deadline to acquire him, then, then kudos for you because you're going to have a back that's at least uh, going to be semi-productive down the stretch. Uh, the schedule of games not necessarily super exciting for Kenyon Drake. I mean, you know, they've got the Rams, they've got the Giants, the Eagles, and the Niners. It's sort of a middle-of-the-road schedule. But the fact that he's getting touches and that he's getting into the end zone, most importantly, uh, means that there's at least reason to be sort of optimistic about Kenyon Drake. That is not something uh, that we would have said maybe a month or so ago. Okay. This is where I have to issue an apology to Wayne Gallman. Uh, when Saquon Barkley went down, I was certainly not big on Wayne Gallman. I, I don't think I, I advocated picking him up. I thought, if anything, you picked him up just uh, as a stopgap, as insurance. The Giants brought in Devontae Freeman, who got a couple of games, and he got hurt. Since then, Wayne Gallman has been lights out. I mean, he scores a touchdown just about every week. Uh, he had a, a good yardage game yesterday. The guy is flat out playing well, and so maybe this has come several weeks too late, uh, but I'm sorry for doubting you, Wayne Gallman. I mean, props to you. The way you've been playing uh, is, is pretty good. So with what we've seen from Gallman, Kimmy, do we believe that this is something that can be sustained? Yes, he was one of my favorite starts at running back this week, and we talked about it on the you know Fantasy Game Day show on Sunday. He scored for the fifth time straight. One plus rushing touchdown and five trade games. You see that. You see that topic bar down below. You know what's <laughs> up. Um, now, obviously, sorry to Eddie. Daniel Jones did go out with an injury, and we're hoping that that hamstring will be healed up so that he can go and play against the Seahawks on Sunday. But even if Daniel Jones does not play, I still think that they're going to heavily rely on Wayne Gallman, not only as a rusher, but also as a receiving option. He is one of the safest offensive players, actually the safest offensive player, in my opinion, for the Giants. So uh, apology accepted on Wayne Gallman's behalf from you, Marcus. It's time <laughs> to fire him up and start him with ease. Yeah, it's it's time to get on board. If it's not too late, then hey, you know, get Wayne Gallman into your lineups, at least on your roster, because you can never have enough depth, especially at the running back spot. So uh, props to Wayne Gallman for, for stepping into the opportunity and making the most of it, especially when it looked like the Giants didn't seem to be all that interested in, uh, in giving him the rock. Uh, they have found something there. So, so kudos to him, and I will admit that I was wrong. Uh, all right, the last one is Cam Akers, who has been interesting because last week he scored his first career touchdown uh, on a short reception, and the Cam Akers hive on Twitter started buzzing like crazy. Uh, this week he ended up with a long run against the 49ers. He did score a touchdown, had uh, 84 rushing yards, uh, put together his best fantasy game to date, and the hive is getting even louder. I still see him in a committee, and the touches are still sort of limited, but if he's making plays like this, it's hard to deny him. I mean, I, I know the Rams running back situation has been a nightmare all year long, Kimmy, but can we start to believe in Cam Akers a little more? You know, I was going to ask you this before you said all of those things you said. Dare I say, <laughs> dare I say we have a lead back alert? Is it, is it Cam Akers? Because, like you said, we understand that it's a crowded backfield, right? We have Malcolm Brown. We have Daryl Henderson there. But in this game against the 49ers, Henderson and Brown combined for 23 yards on 13 carries, whereas Cam Akers led the bunch with a touchdown in 84 yards. So that's why I, I beg the question to you, 
is this a lead back situation? Now that he's finally finding his stride, he scored in back-to-back weeks, I think we kind of got to take it seriously. I think he's the lead back with context. I think he is the lead back in, in a situation where it's still going to be a committee. Now, maybe this means he starts to get slightly more snaps and slightly more touches than the other two guys. But I don't think this means that Daryl Henderson and or Malcolm Brown are going to go away. I mean, Sean McVay seemed pretty adamant from the start of the season that he wanted to have a Kyle Shanahan type rotation with with his backfield. And I think that's still going to be the case. But uh, I, I think we might see Cam Akers start to get some more love in this running game on a week to week basis. Um, you know, I, I think you know last night he was or yesterday, I should say he was helped by having one big long run. But hey, you know what? Credit to him. He made a play. You can't take that away from him. I just am still sort of dubious about the number of touches he's going to get on a week-to-week basis. I I think if we're talking beyond this year, then I think there's there's certainly a future for Cam Akers, and I think they want to make him the lead back there. Uh, But I I still think this year it's going to be hit or miss. And unless he has a lot of big plays or finds his way into the end zone, eh, I think it's going to be sort of underwhelming. So... Uh, I guess I am where I was a while ago, except now I've I've just taken Daryl Henderson out of that spot and I've put Cam Akers in there. I mean, it's It's just a game of three-card Monty, and we're just moving things around right now. And right now, Cam uh, is sort of the the leader in the clubhouse on this one. Uh, Would love to hear from you guys on who you think has the most staying power of these three players, whether it's Kenyon Drake, Wayne Gallman, or Cam Akers. You can go to Kimmy's Twitter page, at Kimmy Checks, and vote on that. Let us know who you think uh, is the guy that uh, maybe has the greatest runway for the rest of the fantasy season, which, again, look, uh, we got a couple games left in Week 12, and then Week 13 is usually the end of the regular season in most leagues, and after that, uh, playoff time will be upon us. That was Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. Have a say in this year's Pro Bowl vote presented by Verizon. The Pro Bowl may look different this year, but the best players will still be recognized. Show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players still earn their place on the 2021 Pro Bowl roster. Vote today at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. Taking a look at the waiver wire for week 13. And as mentioned earlier, a little bit of slim pickings. I mean, pretty much everybody is playing, save for the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Uh, At quarterback, going back to the Derek Carwell. I know it did not work out on Sunday, but the matchup against the Jets is pretty good. So for anybody streaming quarterbacks, Carr is still a name to remember. Phillip Rivers, who's had a couple of decent games back to back and has a pretty nice schedule down the stretch as well. Taysom Hill is still starting for the Saints. He's still scoring rushing touchdowns. So I think you have to at least consider him this week if you're talking about streaming quarterbacks, especially if you are in a two-quarterback league. And this one might shock you. Mike Glennon at the quarterback spot, uh, who put up 18 points yesterday against the Browns. And he's got the Vikings and Titans next on the schedule. So Uh, I would think that is certainly deeper leagues, but Mike Glennon is out there. Uh, Running back wide receivers, J.K. Dobbins on the list. Obviously, that is pending whatever happens in week 12 with him on the COVID list. But when he gets back, maybe a bigger workload coming. Damian Harris is still available uh, in a good number of leagues. So if you need running back help, give him a shot. Frank Gore, who will never age and never die, is still on the waiver wire list (laughs) with Michael P. Ryan. Uh, on injured reserve, and Adam Gase still giving Gore carries. Wide receiver, maybe a little bit more help for you there. Emmanuel Sanders is still out there in a lot of leagues. 
And if uh, Taysom Hill can get the passing game back together again, uh, Sanders should have some opportunities. Nelson Aguilar, still worth adding to your rosters. Debo Samuel, who had a huge game for the 49ers on Sunday, uh, is available in a ton of leagues, as is Michael Pittman Jr. Didn't have a great game on Sunday, but the targets were there and the schedule is good. Uh, So that is something to keep in mind for Pittman. All right, let's talk, though, about Debo Samuel, Kimmy, because I know some people were wondering whether or not they should put him in their lineups now that he was back after missing an extended period of time. I said you should give him a shot because the Niners would be creative in getting him the football. That's what they did. Uh, And, and Kimmy, Debo had himself quite a game on Sunday. He had such a game. He had a four-week hiatus because of that hamstring injury. But then he came back. He had over 100 receiving yards, 133 to be exact, 11 for 13 targets. Marcus, you're a 49ers fan, so I should be asking you, how do you feel about Debo being back? Is he a must-start? He is pretty close to a must-start. I think he's at least a flex option most weeks. And and this is with the obvious caveat that it depends on your roster situation, what have you. But the fact is they are peppering him with targets. They're getting him the ball on jet sweeps. They just want to put the ball in his hands. And I think I saw something that uh, in the last couple of games, he's got uh, 280-some-odd, I think, receiving yards, but he's got negative 41 air yards, which means they're not just you know letting him run down the field and throwing it up to him and letting him make plays. They're getting him the ball in and around the line of scrimmage and allowing him just to try to find some space and operate, and he did a pretty good job of that. So that alone is reason for me to believe that Debo Samuel is worth having in the lineup. I mean, look, he's able to go out and do that uh, with Nick Mullins at quarterback. I think he's going to be okay. And again, if he's out there, I mean, go go pick him up. If nothing else, even if you're not starting him, he should be on your roster uh, just because you want depth and also because you just don't want your opponents to have him on their roster. Sometimes it pays to be petty. Um, <laughs> Philip Rivers, who I know doesn't necessarily excite people uh, in, in fantasy football the way maybe he once did with the Chargers, but uh, a couple of decent games back to back, some nice games upcoming. And, Kimmy, for anybody streaming quarterbacks, maybe you you don't have Tom Brady this week, what have you. Uh, Is is Phillip Rivers worth a look? I think he is. I liked him this week going up against the Titans as well. I talked about that on the Sunday show. Um, I understand he only had 17 fantasy points, right? Like nothing groundbreaking, nothing, nothing crazy. But he's been good. 295 yards, two passing touchdowns. He's had double-digit fantasy points in nine games this season and a passing touchdown in every game except for two. Now, next week, I think it's an option to start him because it's going to be a high-paced shootout against Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. If they want to stay in this game, Phillip Rivers is going to have to throw and pass the ball. So, yeah, stream up. I don't know. YOLO. It's 2020. Like, it, the fact that we're talking about Phillip Rivers being a waiver wire starting quarterback, like, this just goes to show. The world is different. I keep saying that if I'm streaming a quarterback, I want about 18 points. 18 points out of a streaming quarterback is pretty good. Phillip Rivers had 17.8 points. I mean, that, that's that's pretty darn close. If he could have rushed for two yards, which, I mean, for Phillip Rivers is, you know, but uh, if he rushes for two yards, he gets you 18, uh, you know, and then he's right at that number. So I, I, I don't know that you can go away from him. As you mentioned, the, the, the Texans next week, uh, he's had 17 or more points in three of his last five games. Uh, you know, it, it's not sexy. There's nothing about the Colts passing game that is, is sexy, but Rivers is doing the job right now. And if you, again, if you need quarterbacks, if you're in a deeper league, if you're in a two quarterback league for sure, although if you're in a two quarterback league, uh, Phil Rivers is probably already taken, but he's worth starting next week. 
against the Houston Texans. I guess that's sort of what I'm getting at. Uh, so for all those guys that we listed and some of the ones that we talked about, if you have the top waiver priority this week, who are you using it on? I need all the help I can get at running back because clearly I just took seven different L's in all of my leagues, even though the week's <laughs> not over. I just already know that I'm just taking the L. And that's because some of the guys we mentioned today just haven't showed up or their scenarios are different. Guys like CEH, who I have a tons of shares in. Another guy, Alvin Kamara, who I got a first-round pick on and has been basura the last two weeks because of Taysom Hill. I'm blaming all of Taysom Hill. Because of that, I think I'm going to look to target Damian Harris, who we've talked about multiple weeks now. Uh, we know that it's, again, a kind of crowded backfield situation for the New England Patriots, and you don't want to fully trust a running back ever. But he's the most reliable one out there on the waiver wire, and I, I just kind of got to rock with it. I agree. And, you know, and you talk about the, the crowded backfield in, in New England, and it's true to a point, although, you know, now that Rex Burkhead is, is injured and, and looks like he possibly could be done for the year, we'll see. Uh, you know, the Patriots don't seem to have been in a rush to get Sony Michelle necessarily back in there. So it's right now it, it might mostly be Harris and James White getting the work there. And I, I still contend that Damian Harris has been the best of New England's backs all season long. So I, I would go there as well. I just also feel like it's a lot easier to find wide receiver help than it is to find running back help. And so if you can find a guy who's getting a lot of touches, I think that's what you do. I think that's the guy you go after. So uh, we keep pounding and and and, uh, and preaching Damian Harris, and hopefully more and more folks are going to start to take notice, especially as you get toward the playoff weeks and, and as the trade deadlines end. Uh, I know there are some leagues that might still be open. I think at this point, most leagues, the trade deadline is passed, so the best way to, to add help is going to be uh, off the waiver wire. So. Uh, Damon Harris should be a name that is on your list over the next couple weeks. Time for some playoff panic or patience. I've got three guys on this list that, you know, they're not they're not necessarily superstars. They're not necessarily you know must starts each and every week, but guys that could potentially play a role for you in the playoffs, although maybe they have not done so well recently. So we'll start with Josh Jacobs. Uh, yesterday was just a rough day on the whole for the Raiders, just blown out. Uh, by the Atlanta Falcons after having played so well. Uh, we talked about Derek Carr and his struggles. It extended to Darren Waller. And Josh Jacobs uh, played just 10 snaps, or had 10 touches, I should say, yesterday. 10 touches, had an ankle sprain. The Raiders are still waiting where they're, they're hoping that it looked worse than it actually was. Uh, but, Kimmy, even before that, I mean, Josh Jacobs had had some games that had sort of let you down. And our pal Michael F. Florio I have been preaching uh, some concern about Josh Jacobs, especially uh, with some games upcoming. Uh, are, are we going to be patient or are we panicking when it comes to you know, his, his potential playoff performances? See, this is a tough one, right? Because he has these games where he can go out and put up 25, 30 points. And then he has games like he had yesterday where he puts up five and a half points, less than five and a half points. However, the only excuse for this is, is that the game script didn't favor him, right? The Raiders were being blown out the entire time, which means Derek Carr had to try to throw the ball, which limited rushing opportunities for Josh Jacobs. I understand that there's concern there. 100% valid, but he's had double-digit fantasy points in eight of 11 games played this season, and he's had four touchdowns across the last four games. So I understand what the concern is, but you still have to be happy that he has had some production, right? Absolutely. I, I think the thing that's working in his favor is that when he's healthy, uh, he is pretty much the running back of record there in Las Vegas. I mean, every now and then we'll see maybe Devontae Booker or, you know, the occasional Jalen Richard target. But for the most part, 
This is Josh Jacobs' backfield. And you see that the 15.7 fantasy points per game for him. I mean, the floor for the most part has been fairly safe with him. And he does have a potentially very high ceiling. Now, the schedule is sort of middle of the road. I mean, he's got the Colts, which isn't great. Uh, he's got the, the Chargers, which is okay. The Dolphins in Week 16, which, again, sort of meh. So, you know, the, the schedule isn't necessarily one you're, you're jumping up and down about, but it could be worse. Uh, hopefully everything is okay with this ankle situation. I think you're still going with Josh Jacobs. But, um, yeah, it, it has been concerning. I, I would maybe, you know, hopefully lower the expectations and hope you get some, some fill-in uh, from somewhere else to sort of make up the difference as to what you may not get from Jacobs uh, over those final three weeks. Uh, next on the list is Christian Kirk. And yeah, we talked about Kyler Murray and, and him not playing well the last couple of weeks. The one guy that always eats in that offense is going to be DeAndre Hopkins, so you never have to worry about him. With Christian Kirk, it's a little bit more hit or miss. Should we be worried about him? I mean, he's, he's rostered, I think, in about 80% of leagues. So people have Christian Kirk, but it's a question of should we feel confident enough to play Christian Kirk? See, Christian Kirk is one of those like huge boom or huge bust guys. Like you said, DeAndre Hopkins is always going to get the meat of that offense, especially in the receiving game. We have concerns about Kyler Murray. What exactly is going on with that shoulder? Why is he not connecting with his receivers as much as, as well as rushing the ball? This one is, is way more concerning to me rather than Josh Jacobs because Christian Kirk does have to share that passing game. He's been quiet ever since that week nine game that he had against the Dolphins where he had 123 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Now the last three games, he's had a combined 96 yards. Their schedule is a lot tougher too. They take on the Rams and they take on the Giants, then the Eagles, the 49ers and the Rams again. So if I had any type of panic for any of these guys, I think Christian Kirk is the one I'm most worried about. He's the one that I am probably shying away from playing unless I absolutely have to. But I, I think in the, certainly I know in the places where I have him, I think I have depth and I, I don't necessarily uh, have to put him in my lineup. And if I don't have to, I don't know that I will. Just because, again, as you mentioned, he has a, he has the potential for blow-up games, but the floor is incredibly low with him, and, and I don't necessarily want that volatility going into my playoff week. So if I could find a little more week-to-week -week stability, I think that's where I would go. Uh, if you got to start him, I get it, but uh, this is one that, that really worries me, and I would probably avoid it uh, if I could over weeks 14, 15, and 16. The last one is Johnu Smith. And I came into the season, people would ask me for my season-long hot takes. And one of them was that Jonu Smith was going to win some people some fantasy championships. And early in the year, for the first month or five weeks, that looked to be the case. I went and looked last night, Kimmy, and since week five. Now, week five is sort of the, I think that was the first time that neither A.J. Brown nor Corey Davis appeared on the injury report in any form. They were both fully healthy. From that time... Johnny Smith went from being second in target share to fourth. I mean, he has fallen down the pecking order, did not have a target on Sunday. Uh, basically, was just getting his steps in. Got 10 routes, uh, got no targets. I, I don't know about you. I am, I'm just going to say it. I am pushing the panic button on Johnny Smith right now. Uh, I mean, I guess it's tied in, so everybody sort of is, but I'm really pushing the panic button on Johnny Smith at the moment. I was just going to say, we're all panicking about this Janu situation. He's a tight end. What what better options are out there? Like what tight what tight end on the waiver wire is going to possibly better performance than Janu Smith? Like it's rolling the dice with any tight end in the league if it's not Darren Waller who had a horrible.
trouble game because of Derek Carr or if it's not Travis Kelsey. Like, we all understand that. He does have favorable matchups the next few weeks, right? They take on the Browns, who are second worst against tight ends. Then they take on Jacksonville, who are ninth worst against tight ends. And then the Lions, the Packers, and the Texans. I understand that he did not see a single target against the Colts yesterday. But the Titans only attempted 22 passes. That's uh, It's probably a season low. I need to double check on that, so don't quote me. But it's probably a season low in terms of passes. So I don't want to fully blame him. However, he's had two or fewer catches in six of his last seven games. So I understand where the concern is. But my question is, like, what, what better option do we possibly have? That that is the that is the million dollar question. It's the one that folks have been asking themselves all year long. I mean, you really are trying to dig on the waiver wire. I mean, look, I, I I've been reduced in one league to starting Kyle Rudolph with mixed results. Um, you know, someone asked about starting any of the Seahawks tight ends, and, and you know, I I guess at your own risk, at your own peril, you can do that. The fact that we are showing a, a highlight reel of Janu from games throughout the season and not from Sunday tells you a lot about how his Sunday went. Anthony Ferkser has been, I think, more involved in the passing game than Janu Smith lately. So uh, maybe this is just me sort of lamenting my own pick, watching it sort of go south after I felt so great about it for the first month of the season. Maybe that's why I'm talking about Janu Smith. <laughs> um, but there is, I think, reason to be concerned. And I know he's still on rosters in, I think, about 80% of leagues. So, you know, again, because it's tied in, um, I get if you're not dropping him necessarily. But at this point, it's hard to believe that the production is going to continue to be there the way it was early in the year because uh, I don't think he's had more than 40 receiving yards, I think, since like week five. It has been a while since Jonu Smith has been anything close to productive for fantasy rosters. Such is the life of starting a fantasy tight end, not named Travis Kelsey. Man, uh, I'll tell you what—you know—Adam Ranks got it right with his drafting Travis Kelsey in the first round business. You, you know, people might look at him sideways, but you know what? That's one less worry that he has on a week-to-week basis. That Adam Rank, man, he knows what he's talking about. Have you downloaded the NFL Fantasy app? I mean, it's pretty much the end of week 12, so hopefully you have by now. But if you haven't, there's a reason to do that, and it's because you can watch live games streaming on your phone for the low, low price of free 99. For instance, tonight's Monday Night Football game. If you are out and about and not near a television, you just pull out the phone, open up the NFL Fantasy app, and you can watch Seahawks and Eagles for absolutely zero dollars. So that makes it worth it. We know you're playing on NFL nfl.com anyway so uh if you haven't downloaded the app this is another reason for you to do that speaking of seahawks and eagles we have been picking on the seahawks defense all year long for fantasy but my 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 how the turntables have turned kimmy would we possibly start the seahawks defense against this eagles offense tonight it's 2020. Yes, do it. Sure. Why not? We, we've seen crazier things. Now, the reason why we picked on them all season long is because they've not been great, right? Russell Wilson, in return, has had to be great because his defense has allowed a ton of points. But they're taking on Carson Wentz and the Eagles, who we also have been picking on because that offense has just not been great. I feel, I feel bad. I'm, like, being so negative. It's okay, though. Carson Wentz, we understand that he's going to get the start tonight against the Seahawks, but we also have an inclination that Jalen Hurts may finally have his NFL debut. If that's the case, maybe the Seahawks can give him pressure. He's a rookie. This will be his first time on the big stage. So maybe they'll have some takeaways. So, yeah, sure. Yellow. 2020. Crazier things I, I, have happened. Absolutely. And I would definitely give them a shot, especially in daily fantasy, would, would maybe throw them in a lineup or two because, uh, as you mentioned, Jalen Hurts may see some time. When people talk about the Eagles offense lately and they talk about Carson Wentz specifically, 
the one word that keeps coming up is broken, that Carson Wentz is broken right now, and, and the Eagles don't seem to have any answers for how to fix him. So take advantage of that. Uh, and Seattle's been playing better over the last few weeks. So give credit where it's due. Uh, they have been improved over the last couple of weeks. They're facing a quarterback who is struggling throwing the football, turning it over in any number of ways, uh, has just been incredibly inconsistent and looks a little bit lost back there at times. So uh, there, aren't, there haven't been many chances to start the Seahawks defense. This could be one of them. So even though Carson Wentz is quote-unquote broken, would you trust any of his pass catchers tonight? I, I think I know who you would trust, so I'm going to wait and, and let you take that one. I am going to keep hammering home this Travis Fulgham take. If there was any time to start Travis Fulgham, it is against that Seahawks defense. We just told you you could start, but they're allowing the most points to wide receivers in the NFL this season. I know Fulgham was hot. He was dope, and then he was not. And, and, and I, I'm mad, and I, I want to roast him. I'm salty. I'm salt bay. I'm all of those things. But if you, if you kind of want to take a YOLO play and see if he can have that huge ceiling game, I think there's a huge possibility for him to do so against the Seahawks tonight. I, I do want to see Travis Fulgham come back into our lives. That, that would be nice after the way he played earlier in the season. He's just vanished the last couple of weeks. I, I'm going to go, though, with Dallas Goddard, especially because Zach Ertz doesn't look like he's going to be back and ready to play for this game on Monday night. And Goddard has sort of been the top pass catcher in the offense. I mean, for what it's worth, there hasn't been anybody that's been really blowing your socks off in this Eagles passing game lately. But Goddard has been the closest to that. It seems like for whatever reason, Carson Wentz likes throwing to his tight end, right? I mean, Zach Ertz became a thing over the last few years, thanks in part to Carson Wentz feeding him the football. And now Dallas Goddard seems to have stepped in and taken some of that role with Ertz out. So if I had to pick a guy... Uh, it would be Dallas Goddard in this one, although I will admit uh, I'm not super excited uh, about anybody. Maybe Jalen Rager. I, you, you keep hammering on Travis Fulgham. I keep hammering on Jalen Rager and trying to make that a thing, and, and maybe that will become a thing. But right now, uh, there's nobody in that Eagles offense that I would be super excited about. There is one more game on the schedule in Week 12. It is a Tuesday night football affair between the Ravens and the Steelers. I don't know. You might have heard some things about it over the past week or so. Uh, it was supposed to happen on Thursday night, the primetime game on Thanksgiving, but because of a rash of COVID infections uh, on the Baltimore side, it was moved first to Sunday. Uh, then more infections popped up on both sides. It was moved to Tuesday, and that is where it sits as of now. We're still awaiting more test results coming in on Monday to, to see uh, if that game is going to be played as scheduled. But uh, for now... As we record this, there's still a Ravens-Steelers game on Tuesday night. So let's talk about it real quick. Uh, Kimmy, the Ravens are down a ton of people, especially on the offensive side of the football. We know that you know Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Willie Sneed, among the offensive players who have tested positive for COVID-19. Which Ravens would you play in this game for fantasy at this point? I'm I'm... I'm avoiding the entire offense because there's just too many question marks around what's going to happen. I know Marquise Hollywood-Brown is still out there, but he's just been so incredibly inconsistent this entire season that if I had to pick any part of the Ravens team, it would be their defense. They're still a top four fantasy defense, so start them with ease, even though it is a tough matchup against Big Ben and the Steelers. I would, I would give Gus Edwards an opportunity, and he was the guy that I think a lot of us were sort of pivoting towards once we heard Dobbins and Ingram were going to be unavailable. Um, you know, of course, you know, when we said that last week, we still thought Lamar Jackson 
was going to be available, and that probably isn't going to be the case. Uh, I imagine they're going to try to run some RPOs with RG3 and Gus Edwards back there. We can expect him to get a pretty heavy workload, maybe some Justice Hill sprinkled in. So uh, based on volume alone, even though the matchup is bad, uh, I would say Gus Edwards is somebody that I would give a shot to. Uh, but again, sort of like I talked about with the Eagles, I'm not necessarily super excited about it. Uh, on the other side, one of the players who tested positive for COVID-19 for the Steelers uh, was running back James Conner and certainly wish him well uh, as a guy who's a cancer survivor and certainly in, in the at-risk group. Uh, we certainly wish the best for him in, in terms of his health. But with him unavailable, Benny Snell moves up the pecking order in terms of, of running back touches. How confident are you uh, if, if you were to put him in your lineup? Mike Tomlin told the media yesterday, he said, I have no reservations about Benny Snell being a featured runner. So sure, I'm, I'm confident. If, you, if your head coach says that <laughs> I'm confident, obviously with James Conner out, he's going to be the featured and the number one back in that offense. The Ravens, they're incredibly banged up. I could see the Steelers being ahead by a lot and then relying on the run game. So sure. I, it also, if you're waiting until Tuesday to play your running back, it's kind of like that's that's all you've got. So you kind of just got to rock with it. That's that, that's that's an excellent point. If you are waiting until Tuesday to make that decision, then you know if you got Benny Snell, you, you kind of don't have a choice. You're, you're pretty much playing him. Uh, I would say that the thing about Snell that gives me at least a little added confidence is that even when Connor was there, they would bring Snell in and give him some goal line touches. So there's still some touchdown, touchdown upside with Benny Snell. And, and like you said, if Mike Tomlin feels okay with uh, getting him out there and getting him a ton of touches, then you should feel okay about putting him in your lineup uh, again, especially if you've procrastinated and you waited until Tuesday to make a decision. Uh, that's all it is. You put him in there and then thoughts and prayers and hopefully you come up with a, a pretty big number. But, uh, again, we'll wait to see if this game is played. Most importantly, it is just about uh, kind of hoping that everybody who has been impacted by this on both sides, uh, Ravens and Steelers, uh, ends up okay, that, that health is not an issue, uh, and that all these guys are, are healthy and, and in the near future are back out there and ready to play. So we will certainly keep an eye on, on how things go with that. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, why didn't Noah just swat those two mosquitoes? Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.